Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast today. We're going to start Matthew chapter 8, and I just want to say I hope you enjoyed uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the breaking down the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus has just finished teaching his disciples in front of this huge crowd that had gathered on the side of the mountain. Uh, he has challenged his disciples and the people who were listening, really, uh, but in particular, uh, the, um, uh, the disciples because they're going to be taking over uh, over the kingdom and growing the kingdom, the church, in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus uh, is, uh, has been crucified and buried and resurrected and ascended back to the Father, and the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2 on these uh, apostles, these disciples. And um, he has challenged these disciples by telling them that their righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees or they ain't getting into heaven. That, I mean, that's, that's what Jesus tells them. And so he has finished his teaching. He has told them how their righteousness can exceed that of the Pharisees. That they'll just listen to his teaching and obey what he tells them. And that's why, that's why he finishes the Sermon on the Mount there in, in, at the end of Matthew chapter 7 that we looked at in the last podcast about being wise and, and not being foolish and building your house upon the rock which is Christ, the immovable stone, and not building your house on the foundation of sand that's going to shift when the storms come. Build it on that immovable stone. Build it on Christ's teachings. That's why he says, don't just listen to these words of mine, but do them. Uh, and your, your righteousness will exceed that of the Pharisees. And so he finishes his teaching and he begins to head down the mountain. And, and this crowd is going to follow Jesus and his disciples. And, uh, and, and the, anywhere that Jesus went, you know, you know it's kind of like Mary had a little lamb and his fleece is white as snow. But everywhere that Mary went, the, the lamb was sure to follow. However, that little nursery rhyme goes, everywhere that Jesus and his disciples went, the crowds followed. They were just in awe of this guy. And you could just, you can, you can imagine why. I mean, it would just be so awesome to see Jesus in person, to, to get to talk to him, to get a chance to meet him, you know, and 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 so everywhere that Jesus went, there was always this crowd that followed. And so he's coming down this mountain, and as he's coming down the mountain, he is met by someone who shouldn't even be anywhere in the vicinity of Jesus. He shouldn't even be anywhere in the vicinity of Jesus's disciples or this crowd, because this man who literally pops out of nowhere and we'll talk about that later on in the podcast but this man is a leper he has a, a very contagious disease that is painful and, it, and, it, and and many times you would die from it so in matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 matthew writes this he says large crowds followed jesus as he came down the mountainside and suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him lord the man said if you are willing you can heal me and make me clean and Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. And then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses 
for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now, there, there's a lot of stuff going on in this story that makes this story so special. And the first thing that I want to talk about is this. I want to talk about this leper. Because according to God's law, in Leviticus 13 and chapter 14, this leper should have been living in uh, isolation. He should have been quarantined. Um, because leprosy, like I said, was was transferable. It was it was very easily spread. Um, but this leper, he was not dodging the crowd. He is coming toward the crowd because he wanted to get to Jesus. And, and I'm not going to take time to break down Leviticus 13 and 14, but you, you're more than welcome uh, to Google that or get your Bibles out and read Leviticus 13 and 14 and the laws that God himself gave for people who had leprosy. But, but basically, a leper was to be quarantined and they lived an isolated life until their leprosy was cleared up. They were literally put in, in um, communities, like a leprosy uh, community. All these people who had leprosy were just quarantined together. And so, I mean, how, how would you even get rid of your disease if you're quarantined with a bunch of people who had the disease? And it was so easily spread. And so it was a, it was a miserable, miser, miserable life. And so um, they would have to live this isolated life. And, and when they come around a, a crowd or or when they encountered people, they would have to go, unclean, unclean, so the, the people could pass by on the other side of the road, or, or the leper would have to pass by on the other side of the road. They, they had to stay away from people. Now, you know, we, we know a little bit about quarantine because of this pandemic that we've been recently facing over the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, we had to live in isolation and wear our masks and all that kind of stuff and kind of stay away from people as much as possible. Um, so we know a little bit about being quarantined. Um, but th th these lepers, they, they were, they were in, living in, in these communities and they were quarantined. And, and they're, but these, th th these people are living in physical pain. And they would be facing all kinds of mental challenges as well. Because if you think about it, these lepers were looked at as outcasts. It was as if they were cursed by God. And so they were shunned by people. They're lonely. They couldn't have any interaction with people or very limited. Only the people that they're around all the time who are sick. And, and, and you know, what's a bunch of lepers going to do? They're going to sit around in pain and they're going to they're gonna talk about their pain and, and talk about how they wish they this leprosy would go away. It, it, there's, it, there's no really no meaningful conversation. There's no meaningful life because you don't really have a life. You're just there with a bunch of people who are hurting and who have this disease. And, and, and so there, there's a lot of mental challenges that would go along with leprosy and being quarantined. You, you see it all the time uh, all around the world because of, of what, what we've had to go through with this pandemic and being quarantined. There's all kinds of uh, there, there were people who were committing suicide. There were people who, who were, uh, couldn't handle uh, uh, being alone or being quarantined, and, and they were killing themselves. It were the, the people turned to drugs. People turned to alcohol. People turned to all kinds of things because of mental instability because of being quarantined. It, it's been a tough time. And now, you know, we're, we're kind of post-pandemic, and, and, and people are still having a hard time readjusting 
to a post-pandemic society. Um, and so we can kind of understand what these people, these lepers, um, were going through in, in a way, in a small way. But they were looked out as outcasts, as if they were cursed by God. They, they were lonely. They didn't have any, very little interaction with people. They were shunned by their communities. And if you remember, if you're old enough to remember, I am, uh, back in the 80s, I believe it was the 80s and, and early 90s, um, a disease called AIDS was breaking out uh, and most, you know, mostly coming from the homosexual community. But AIDS was, was spreading like wildfire and it was freaking people out because, you know, now they have medicine for it and they can kind of control it, I believe. But, but back then when it, was, when it was first spreading like wildfire, people were dying from it left and right. There, there, were, there was no medicine. There was no cure. And, and, and so people were scared to death. And if you had AIDS, you couldn't even get a human to shake your hand. You couldn't even get a, a, you know, a touch. Of, 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 you could not get someone to even physically just touch you and so you you were you were an outcast you were isolated you 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 were shunned um and you just people were dying literally dying because nobody would have anything to do with them because of aids um so it'd be a lot like what these lepers faced nobody wanted to be around them and they couldn't even get a, you know, a touch of a hand from another human being because of the spread of the disease. And people were being afraid that they would get leprosy and, and, you know, they, and they would uh, be pronounced unclean and have to be separated from the community. And they didn't want that. They didn't want to take a chance on that. So if you think about this leper and what he did, he, he, he literally broke every law Every law that God gave to the Jews back in Leviticus 13 and 14, this leper broke every one of them just to get to Jesus. And he not only broke quarantine, he walks up to Jesus who was followed by his disciples and by this huge crowd. Now, we don't see this in Matthew's uh, writing, but I can't help but wonder, and this is one of the ways I like to, to read the Bible and to study the Bible, because I know how people are today, and people have not changed all that much. If, if, if anything, they've gotten worse. But I, I know how people are. I know how people think. Um, and, and so I, I just wonder if the disciples and, and this crowd was freaking out because this guy is not supposed to be here. He, he's, he's supposed to be in quarantine. He's supposed to be with all those other lepers. You know, just like we hear somebody cough or sneeze in the in the grocery store or in the shopping center, and, and you know we start freaking out. Oh, oh, why are they even out? If they've got a cough, why are they out? They're not even wearing a mask. What about my health? What about my family? And you see people getting in arguments and getting in, literally getting in fights over people not wearing a mask or people wearing a mask or people having a cough and being out in public. It's crazy. And, and so I could just see this crowd and the disciples just freaking out over this leper. What, what, what about my family? What about my kid? What about my health? I, you know, I, I don't want leprosy. I don't want to be in the risk of getting leprosy and being quarantined and, 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 and dying. We see it all the time in, in, in this post-pandemic world. I mean, just talking to my mom this week and, you know, and, and she's talking about because uh, she lives by herself with her little dog and 
and, and, and she would say stuff like, uh, uh, you know, we're supposed to have this dinner and we're supposed to have this thing at church. But, you know, if there's a lot of sick people, I'm not going. You know, if, if they've been sick in the past, I'm not going. It, 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 it's this fear that we have of this, of, 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 you know, of this pandemic or this disease or that disease or whatever. We, we don't want to be sick because we don't want to die. We want to do everything we can to keep from dying. And so I could just I can just hear this crowd and the disciples saying, What is this leper doing here? They're supposed to not even be around us. They're not even supposed to be around people. And here, here's this leper coming straight up to Jesus and kneeling down before Jesus and, and, and not even giving a, a one ounce of care about putting people at risk of getting leprosy because he wanted to get to Jesus. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But this leper, he, he, like I said, he wasn't concerned about any of that. He, wasn't, he, he didn't care what other people thought. He didn't care about breaking God's laws at this point because he had heard of this Jesus guy. And he, he knew that Jesus was a miracle worker. And he knew that if he could just get to Jesus, kind of like the, the woman with the issue of blood. You know, she said, if I could just get to Jesus, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, that's all I need to do is just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And so this leper had heard about Jesus. He knew that Jesus was a miracle worker, and he knew that Jesus could change his life and be healed of this dreadful disease if he could just get to Jesus. It would change his life, and nothing was going to keep him from getting to Jesus. And so if you think about it, this took a lot of courage from this leper, and it took a lot of guts. More, more, more than likely, there were people in this crowd that knew this guy, that knew this leper. They could have been, you know, they could have been yelling at him. They could have been discouraging him, kind of like with blind Bartimaeus. Just shut up. Just shut, quit yelling at Jesus. He, he's a whole lot more important than you are. You're just a blind beggar. Just shut up. Keep, you know, keep quiet. And what did blind Bartimaeus do? He, he yelled even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, this took a lot of courage from this leper and a lot of guts because more than likely there were people in this crowd because I know people, you know people, we, we know how people are. And there's probably people in this crowd that knew this this leper and they could have been yelling at him, yelling at him. they could have been discouraging him, they, they could have been telling him to get back where you belong. You don't belong here. You don't need to be around Jesus. You don't need to be around these disciples. You don't need to be around this crowd. You need to go back to your leper community and die. We see it all the time today with racism, with people who think different about certain topics that we think. Well, they. Well, I disagree with what they're saying. I disagree with how they're living. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to shun them. I'm, I'm going to send them back to where, where they need to be. I'll tell them where to go. Or you know, we see this with people who look a little strange in our eyes. We shun them. We bully them. We, we make sure that they know that they don't belong. But I don't think, when I, when you read this text and when you break down. The Greek here, I, I don't even think really that Jesus, the disciples, or the crowd even had time to think about this stuff. Um, I don't really think they had time to really get on this leper. Now, they may have while the leper was talking to Jesus, but Matthew says 
He says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. And the way uh, the New Living Translation translates this, he says, suddenly. Most versions say, behold. But the tr- New Living Translation, I love the way they translate this word. It says, suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. So um, this word suddenly in the Greek, it, it, it's 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 the same word that is used in the story of the birth of Jesus. When Joseph, he has found out that Mary uh, is pregnant. And she had been to Elizabeth's house for for about uh, nine months. She's three months pregnant when she arrives back and Joseph finds out that she's pregnant. He's thinking that she's done gone off and, and, and cheated on her or cheated on him. And, and so he's upset, he's madder than fire, and he, he's just ready to bite a nail in half because he was a carpenter. And, and so he goes to, to, to bed. He's going to sleep on it. Instead of making a quick decision of, 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 of divorcing her and putting her away privately, he goes to sleep, and he's angry. And maybe he has a little trouble going to sleep, but once he does go to sleep, the Bible says, behold, or suddenly an angel appears in his dream and talks to him and says, hey, this is from God. This is the same word here. This word sudden, as the New Living Translation translates it. Suddenly, behold, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. It's like this guy just appeared out of nowhere. And what I think, and Matthew doesn't say this, but what I think is that this leper either hid until he got a chance to make his move and get to Jesus, or he disguised himself and made his way through the crowd to get to Jesus. But however he did it, he just popped out of nowhere and appeared before Jesus. And when he done this, he, he pops out of nowhere. He kneels, he gets literally, because Jesus is coming down the mountain with his disciples, and this huge crowd is following him, right? And so this leper just suddenly appears out of nowhere and he goes straight to his knees and he kneels down in front of Jesus, which is the perfect move on the leper's part because he stops Jesus in his tracks. He couldn't, he, he couldn't get around the leper. I mean, the leper's right there at his feet. And, and, and so he, 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 he doesn't really give anyone a chance to, to run him off because that's exactly what the crowd would have done. Because that's what we do today. We, we, we get out of here. You don't belong here. Nobody wants to hear you. Nobody's listening to you. Get out of here. That's what we do. And so this leper, he just appears out of nowhere. He kneels before Jesus, which in the first words that come out of his mouth or the first word that comes out of his mouth is Lord. And, and, and this word can be translated two different ways, sir or master. And so what the leper is saying here, when he says, Lord, he is saying, Master. And he is telling Jesus, I am at your mercy. And this is with him kneeling down and with him saying, Lord, or saying, Master to Jesus. I'm sure he's looking right up at Jesus and saying, you're my only hope here. I'm at your mercy, Lord. I'm kneeling before you. I'm at your feet and I'm crying out to you. I can't do this without you. I cannot get rid of this disease. I need your touch. I need healing. can't do this on my own. I'm in this community. I'm living this quarantine life. It's miserable and you are my hope. And so he humbles himself before 
Jesus. And we can learn some things from this leper. And the first thing um, that, that we can learn is that, hey, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. He can take care of any situation, any situation. But we have to humble ourselves and come to Jesus. We, Jesus being this leper's only hope for a healing, to be cleansed from this disease, the only hope that he had of being part of a society again and getting out of this quarantine life, his only hope was getting to Jesus. And so he knew if he could get to Jesus, there was a great chance that, he would, that Jesus would heal him because not one person that ever came to Jesus and asked for a healing was disappointed. They always got the healing. And they would go off rejoicing. So we need to understand that Jesus is our hope. The second thing we need to that we can learn is humility. And you think about it, we are a proud people. We are so full of pride, it's it, it's pathetic. And so often we think that we can handle any situation without anybody's help. We can do it on our own. We think we can go through anything. And we are, we're strong people. We we can face a lot of stuff. And we can do a lot of stuff. And we can we can uh, we can help ourselves through a lot of situations by changing this or doing that or not doing this and, and, and doing that. We, we can help ourselves through a lot of stuff. We, always often, we often think that we don't need any help from anybody. But don't be like me. Learn this lesson early in life and learn this lesson the easy way and not the hard way. This lesson of humility. Because life has a way of humbling us. People who are full of pride. Life has a way to humble us. And I'll give you an example. Because I, I was a pretty prideful person like most people. And I thought I could handle any situation. I thought I could do anything. Uh, and and what happens? Life humbled me by uh, sledding one day when my son was five years old and hitting a tree stump at the bottom of hills full speed and blew my back out and I was paralyzed from the waist down. And it took three back surgeries, you know, to, to get my back corrected. And you know, praise God, I'm, I I don't ha really have a lot of pain today. Sometimes I get a flare up and it, and it hurts for a few days. But I, for the most part, I'm able to go out and play sports. I can go out and skateboard. I can I, I play my instruments. I, I work uh, a job and, and, and pretty much pain-free. Um, but at that moment when I was, when I hit that tree stump, and I did a, I mean, I literally did a backwards flip in the air, about 15 to 20 feet in the air, and landed face down in that snow. And I could not feel my legs from my waist down. I was completely numb, and all, I, and I was an athlete, and I, all I could do was just, I just beat the ground in anger, and I was, I was like, this is it, I'm done for, I'm paralyzed for the rest of my life, and and I had to tell my five year old son to go in the house and get his mom, and they went and got a neighbor and wouldn't help me get up out of the snow, but I mean, it was a good thing because I mean, I, I couldn't stand up, and the ambulance came and cut my clothes off of me, and cut me, uh, uh, strapped me to that plastic board, and off I go to the hospital. Um, 
and that has been many, many years ago. But praise God, you know, I'm, I can able, I'm able to do the things that I do today. Um, but you talk about learning some humility, learning that, hey, I, I can't get out of this situation myself. I, I got to have help of the doctors. I, I've got to have these surgeries if I want to, you know, to even have hope of being able to walk again and be able to, to live life semi-normally. Uh, a semi-normal life and 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 so um i had to humble myself and it took it because i used to go 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 and i was into this and i was into that and 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 um when i hit that tree stump and i, I couldn't do any of that anymore and I, I mean i was and when i had back surgeries three back surgeries and every back surgery i had i was laid up for months and months at a time and at the time, my wife was a stay-at-home mom. The first time I had my back surgery, and, and, and you know, we were losing everything that we had because we were selling it to pay rent. Because I couldn't work, I wasn't—I didn't have any income coming in. She wasn't making any money. It was hard. We learned a lot of valuable lessons. But one of the greatest lessons that I learned during that period was humility. And if you think about Jesus, you know, because we can do a lot of stuff on our own. We're strong people, but like I said, we're prideful people, and we need to learn humility. And, and Jesus is the greatest example. He was the most manliest of men that ever lived. He is the strongest man that ever lived. You think about Jesus. He he was he was in heaven with God. He was in this beautiful, most perfect place that we're striving to get to. The the, the greatest place that you can even fathom of being at and living for eternity he he was in a place of uh, of perfection and yet he 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 got up off that throne and he and he and, and he was born in flesh as a baby and he lived and grew as an adult for 33 and a half years and died on a cross and was buried in the tomb and was was resurrected in other words he he allowed himself I mean, he, you think about it, he, he could have spoken a word and, and killed every one of his uh, uh, enemies. He could have just thought a word and, and bound them to where they couldn't do anything to him. But he didn't do that. He allowed them to beat him, to persecute him, to mock him, to nail him to that cross and he hung on that cross for six hours before he gave up his last breath and then uh nicodemus and uh, joseph of arimathea come and took his body off that cross and put him in the tomb they thought it was over but three days later he comes out victorious alive again but that's humility paul says it like this in philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 he says is there any encouragement from from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. 
And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All that passage right there, Paul is saying, Jesus, as powerful and mighty as he is, he was God, but yet he put on flesh and he he was a baby. He grew up to be a man, an adult, and he, he, he allowed these people to crucify him, to kill him. He said, that's humility, and that's the way we're to be. And see, here's the thing. You may, you may be able to take care of things, some things for yourself, but I guarantee you there's one thing that you'll never be able to do on your own, and that is save yourself. Because the only way, the only way, and I stress that, the only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way to enter heaven is to be washed in the blood of Jesus, to accept the sacrifice that he made for us. He is our Passover lamb. The only way into heaven is to be washed in this watery grave and to come up out of that watery grave being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why when, when Peter says, or when the when Peter preaches that sermon, that first sermon on the day of Pentecost, and the people were convicted after Peter told them that, that they have crucified the Messiah they've been looking for all this time, and his name is Jesus, and God has elevated him to this place of honor, and he's sitting at the Father's right hand. And they said, Men and brother, what, what do we got to do to be saved? How do we how do we right this wrong? And Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. This guy that you've rejected, you need to repent of your sins and you, you need to be baptized in a watery grave in his name. And when you do that, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. For this promise is unto you, your children, all that are far off. And thousands upon thousands heard that message, but about 3,000 received that message and were obedient to it. About 3,000 were humbled. And they humbled themselves. They, they, you know, pride made thousands upon thousands resist the message. I ain't doing that. I, I think I was a blasphemer. I'm not listening to that. I don't even want to pronounce the name of Jesus. It's not even going to come out of my lips. Because they thought Jesus was a blasphemer. They thought he was the devil. They accused him of that over and over again. But about 3,000 humbled themselves and were obedient. They called upon the name of Jesus they were baptized in a watery grave and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were on their way to heaven. The only way that you can go to heaven is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and be baptized for the remission of your sins and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is a guarantee. And see, to come to Jesus for salvation means that you're going to have to drop the pride and humble yourselves. That reminds me of, of Naaman, the leper in the Old Testament. I believe he was the leader of the Syrian army or Syrian army. Uh, he uh, had all these medals uh, of his accomplishments, and and but he had leprosy, and uh, he was told that he could. There was a man of God uh, that he could go to. Was it Elisha or Elijah? I believe it was Elisha, and he could go to the man of God and be healed of his leprosy. But uh, when he went. 
he had a lot of pride. And he thought that Elisha was going to come down to him and heal him. And Elisha just sent his servant. He didn't even meet him. He didn't even talk to him. Had no contact with him. He said, I'll just tell him to dip seven times in the Jordan River. Well, Naaman gets mad. First of all, he gets mad because Elisha didn't come out and, and uh, uh, meet him and talk and heal him. Uh, and then and of all the rivers for him to go dip in, he, he says in the, the far, far, and I can't remember the other river, he named two rivers of Damascus. He says, they're cleaner. Why can't I go to one of them rivers? I mean, it's just water. But he said, he's telling me to go to the Jordan River. That water's nasty. It's dirty. I mean, so why can't I go to one of these others? And and he he, he was so prideful, he, he went he was going to go home. And his his servant that was with him says, look, if he would have told you to do something, this great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So why not? You're here. He's told you what to do. Why not just do that? Just go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Who cares if it's dirty water? At least you're going to be healed. You're going to be clean if you just do what the man of God says. And so he goes and he dips. And on the seventh time, his uh, leprosy is cleansed. He, he is healed. So he dropped his pride and humbled himself and did what the man of God told him to do. And that, that's all we have to do. God tells us what to do in his word to be saved. But so many people are so prideful. They fight tooth and nail against everything that God says and think that they're going to get to heaven anyway. It doesn't work like that, folks. We have to humble ourselves and we have to be willing to kneel before Jesus and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I can't save myself. I got to have you. I have to have the blood of Jesus washing my sins away. Or we can just continue to be prideful and reject Jesus and pay the price. And that's hell. And so this leper, he pops up out of nowhere and he kneels before Jesus, stopping him in his tracks. And he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me, make me clean. And Jesus reached out and he touched him. He says, I am willing. And he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy, the leprosy disappeared. There's not even one moment of hesitation on Jesus. But you know, something I thought about, I had this in my notes, but it just hit me when I read this. Jesus didn't have a conversation with this man first. He didn't say, I am willing, be healed. Jesus, when, when this guy says, Lord or Master, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Immediately, without even thinking, Jesus reaches out and touches him first and then says, I am willing to be healed. Which means to me that not only did Jesus touch this leper, but he put his, probably put his hand either on his head or on his shoulder and left it there and had this mini conversation with him and says, I am willing to be healed. There is not a moment of hesitation from Jesus. There's not any condemnation from Jesus to the leper saying, hey, you've broken God's laws. You're not even supposed to be here. There's no condemnation coming from Jesus telling the leper that you you know, you know, you ought to be back in your community. I'll come, I can come over there and heal you. You don't need to be around these people. There's none of that from Jesus. Jesus never shunned this leper. He listened to his need and he immediately healed him. He met his need. But not only did Jesus listen to this leper, not only was he moved by his humility, but Jesus does something you do not do. And that's touch a leper. You, you, you shun lepers. You cross by, cross by a leper on the other side of the road. If you even sit 
where a leper had sat. Like if a leper came and sit in this seat before I sat in it, even if I didn't know it, and somebody come along and said, hey, a leper was just in that seat. Guess what? I'm going to be pronounced unclean. I have to go to the, the priest and I have to be quarantined for like seven days, I believe it is, to see if I'm going to have leprosy or not. And then if I don't have leprosy, the priest will pronounce me clean. And I can go back into uh, the community. But if I have leprosy, then guess what? I'm going into this quarantine shelter with all these other lepers until hopefully the leprosy uh, disappears. But you don't have any of that uh, uh, from Jesus. He reaches out and he touches the leper. You never touch a leper, but Jesus touched this leper. And like I said, he probably put his hand on him for a minute or two and had this conversation with him. I am willing. Be healed. And see, that's the point of the lesson from this leper in front of the crowd, in front of the disciples. When we humble ourselves and we come to Jesus, it's not he may meet the need. No, it's he will meet our needs. And the thing about us prideful people is that we think we have to get our life in order first. We think we have to clean up our life before we can come. I'm just so bad. God would never be able to, to forgive me for what I've done. Really? I mean, he took people who committed murder and changed their lives and, and filled them with the Holy Spirit and they became, the you know, like Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. They came, became some of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. I mean, that, that's what Jesus does. He, he meets people where they're at. He meets us in our sins, in our lowest points in our life. If we would just humble ourselves and come to him and say, hey, I can't do this without you. I got to have you. I need your sacrifice. I need your blood washing my sins away. I need your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide me because I want to make it to heaven. Jesus takes us in any condition where we are at and then he cleanses us from the inside out. But another reason why Jesus touched this leper was to show his disciples also that he is greater than the law. Because remember, he's been up on the mountain. He's been giving them all this teaching about how he is greater than the law. Over and over again, Jesus told them, he says, Now Moses said to you, but I say to you, in other words, Moses was the he he was the representation of the law. God gave the law to Moses. Moses passed it along to the people. And so when these people would go to the synagogue, when they would go to their, uh, for the lack of a better term, when they would go to their church meetings, uh, when they would gather together, they would hear uh, um, an, uh, a religious leader get up and teach by the authority of Moses. And so Jesus would say, Moses said to you. But now I say to you, in other words, I am greater than the law. Matter of fact, I wrote the law. I, I am greater than the law. I am Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, over and over again, Jesus is trying to say, hey, I am greater. I am the Messiah. I am the one that y'all have been looking for. And here is a perfect example. I've been teaching y'all this up on this mountain. Now here we are. We ain't even gotten off the mountain yet. And pops up this leper and I'm going to show you that I'm greater than the law. I'm going to actually reach out and touch this guy and leave my hand on him for a few seconds or however long Jesus had his hand on him and had this conversation with this guy. He says, I am greater than the law. 
And there is no doubt by me touching this leper, there is no doubt how this leper was made clean. And so Jesus tells him, he says, don't go out and tell, he says, don't, don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you and take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. People have several ideas why Jesus said to this guy, don't go tell anybody because I guarantee you the people in that crowd and the disciples, they're running their mouth. They can't believe what just happened. That Jesus touched this leper and this leper has been cleansed. When these people go home, when they go into their communities, they're going to tell everybody they know what Jesus has done. But yet Jesus tells this leper, don't tell anybody about this. Why would he do that? Well, people have all kinds of reasons, and you can Google that and, and study it on your own. But I, I just want to share—I just want to share this. If if you think about it, Jesus' ministry is is fairly new. It's just started. He's gone around and he's picked his disciples, and and so he really doesn't need or want opposition at this point. He's he's trying to keep the opposition at a minimum, and if the opposition, these religious leaders who were already against him and wanted to kill him, if they found out that he touched a leper, man, they, they would have a heyday with that. They, they would just rake him over the coals and accuse him of breaking God's law and all kinds of stuff. It would just cause a lot of, of heat that Jesus did not need at this point, right? Because he, he's trying to uh, uh, get out there and, and, and make an impact in people's lives. And he was not wanting to... Uh, joust if you will with the religious leaders but uh, take notice what Jesus did tell the leper to do he says go to the priest so that they can examine you and they can verify that you are clean take along the offering that is required in the law in other words there won't be any doubt that you are clean so take this required offering there, there, there's no doubt so you go ahead and take it it's not you know it's not if you are clean but he will know, the priest will know and pronounce that you are clean. So be sure that you already, you're prepared. You already have the offering there to give because it's going to make an impact. And it's going to make an impact in particularly on this priest because this is probably the same priest that pronounced this, this leper unclean. And this priest would know this man's condition. And more than likely, this is probably a severe case of leprosy. And, and this guy knew that Jesus was his only hope and when Jesus healed him, there was no doubt how he was cleansed of his leprosy. And Jesus says that God's law requires you as a leper, if you are cleansed, that you are to go to the priest. The priest examines you. The priest says, yes, you are clean. You can go back into society now. And then you had to uh, give an offering to God, to the priest, um, as an offering to God for the cleansing. And so... Uh, this would absolutely blow the priest's mind if this guy was uncurable, had no hope. And the priest is going to want to know what in the world happened. How did, how did this happen to you? And it's going to give the man the opportunity to, to talk about Jesus to this priest. He has been miraculously healed. He is now clean. He no longer has to live a quarantine life. And this, this leper who has been separated from society for no telling how long, 
He can now join his community and live a normal life, all because he humbled himself before Jesus. Why do we not do the same? Jesus says, whosoever will, whosoever will, let him come. Let her come. Why would we let pride hold us back? Why, why can we not drop our pride and, and just get to Jesus, make a beeline to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't do this without you. I need you. And especially, especially, for salvation because without the blood of Jesus Christ washing away your sins you ain't getting into heaven you don't have to worry about your righteousness exceeding that of the Pharisees because you're not righteous because only the blood of Jesus Christ makes us righteous and so if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior I pray that you will uh, make that decision today to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved to be baptized for the remission of your sins in a watery grave and, and, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be on your way to heaven. And if you want to know more about that, how to make that decision, write me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and, and, and I will get back with you promptly. Uh, I will, if, if you're not in my area, uh, then I will uh, put you in contact with somebody in your area. We will make sure. Uh, if you have a, a need, you're saying, look, I, I, can't, I can't do this no more. I, I can't go through this situation anymore. I, I feel alone. I feel isolated. And I need help getting through this storm that's in my life. Email me at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com and we will pray with you. We, we will uh, not be able to physically wrap our, our arms around you but and reach out and touch you like Jesus did with this leper. But we will be in agreement with you and we will help you in any way that we possibly can. But why would we... Why would we not do the same thing that this leper did and humble ourselves and make a beeline to Jesus? Do it today. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We'll pick up with Matthew chapter 8 in the next podcast. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.